Well, it is super great to see you all again. My name is Christy Kerr. My husband, Jeff, and I, Pastor Homestead. I see a lot of new faces today. We are super glad that you joined us. So happy that you are here today. Um, you got an extra hour. Did it not feel like forever to come to church? I was like twiddling my thumbs, and then I was just hungry all morning. I think we're all a little a little off, off, but it's nice that we're not, we didn't lose an hour. We gained an hour, right? I never quite get um, daylight savings. My husband tries to explain it to me every year, and I tell him, my brain is full. I don't need to know. Tell me, am I going to be tired tomorrow, or am I going to be not tired tomorrow? That's all I need to know. So today is the not tired one, so that's how I remember. Um, We are super excited about this next series that we are heading into for the next few weeks here at Homestead. We are going to be talking um, about the issues of depression, anxiety, and mental illness. Now that might seem like an odd topic to be talking about at a church, but you know what? As we talk to people um, in the community, as we talk to people in our own fellowship, this is something that I think so many families are dealing with, so many people are facing. Um, we find in, commu- in our community, this is an issue that is going on in our schools, our young people, even our children are facing a lot of these issues. And our family in particular has been affected by these issues. Jeff and I have both struggled with seasons of depression. We've had one of our children struggle with a season of depression. And really, in the midst of all of that, we were really struggling where to find answers, where to get resources, where to find help. And more than anything else, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't talk about. And so it's really easy to feel like you are completely alone when you're in the midst of a season where you feel like you don't really know where to look for for answers. You just feel like maybe the The darkness has kind of come over you or come over somebody in your family, and you're not sure where to look for help. And so Jeff and I made a decision that we were going to be really honest with our own struggles. We were just going to be really open with the things that we've struggled with. We would want to make our church a place that it's safe to talk about these things um, and that we would be a community of people that would come alongside of you if that's something that you're dealing with. And so maybe you're here today because you someone invited you, knew that maybe this is a struggle that you're facing with someone in your family. And so we're excited Um, to to be diving into these topics for the next few weeks. All the lessons will also be online, so if you want to share it with somebody afterwards that you think might benefit from hearing this, um, we encourage you to do that as well. So let's just open in prayer, and then we'll dive into the Word. Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of all comfort, and I thank you that there's no part of our life that you don't come into and bring healing and restoration and wholeness and Your word promises healing in our physical bodies, but I also believe that you are the God who heals our our emotions, our mind, the places in our hearts that are broken and struggling. And I just pray that today you would turn a light on for someone who feels like they've been sitting in darkness for a long time, that they would feel a glimmer of hope to know that you are good and faithful, and you are faithful to lead anyone who is struggling in the dark. You are faithful to lead them out to walk in pure light and joy and hope. So we invite you into this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So depression, anxiety, and mental illness. In the United States, one in five adults is struggling with a mental health condition. And youth, it's even more than that. Um, Rates of the youth with severe depression have increased from 5.9% in 2012 to 8.2% in 2015. And among those, 63% of young people that are struggling with severe depression have 
gotten zero treatment for that. In the same way, 50% of adults who are struggling with some kind of mental illness, whether that's depression, anxiety, something else, 50% never get any kind of help or any kind of treatment for their condition. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching epidemic proportions. In any given year, 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, a phobia, or some other anxiety disorder. And we find that in different parts of the country, this can be even higher and lower. And in our experience, I think in Farmington, we have seen really high rates of these things. In our experience of people that we're talking to, students and teachers, and there is just a lot of people who are dealing with these things. And when we talk to people, this is something that is they're dealing with in their families. And, set you, and yet, so often, it's covered with embarrassment. We don't want to talk about it. There's so much shame that can come with that. You can be embarrassed. I remember... Probably one of the first times that I was struggling mentally was after uh, the birth of my first child. And Lucy, she's 18, almost 18, senior in high school. I don't want to talk about it. It's very traumatic for me. But I remember after she was born, just not feeling like myself, feeling there was this cloud over me and wondering if I had had postpartum depression. And yet nobody was talking about it. And I remember 18 years ago, Marie Osmond came out with a book that she talked about her postpartum depression. Anybody remember that? Marie Osmond, she's my hero, the Donnie and Marie show. Anybody? Okay, now I'm aging myself. Come on, I can do all of those things. You want me to show you? No. Okay, never mind. Um, So anyway, Marie Osmond was on like a morning talk show, and she was talking about how she dealt with postpartum depression. And I remember thinking, well, nobody really talks about that. Like, they kind of tell you at your doctor's appointment, like, hey, just be careful. If you start feeling sad, tell somebody. And then I'm like, am I sad? I don't know. You know, I was trying to figure out, am I I just tired because I'm not sleeping? Or am I like, is there a problem? And I literally remember sneaking to the library and finding her book on the shelves and like, hunkering down and opening the pages and trying to read the chapter where she talked about her postpartum depression and trying to read what her symptoms are so that I could try and figure out if it was if I had it. And I remember just feeling so embarrassed and ashamed and I didn't want to tell anybody and I didn't want to reach out to anybody. I didn't even want to tell Jeff. I just knew that something felt wrong inside of me. And I think for a lot of us, we might be struggling and we're thinking, is there something wrong? Am I okay? Do I dare say it out loud? Do I reach out for help? And so part of why we continue to talk about this as a church is we want to take away that. Because it's something that a lot of people struggle with all the time. Most people in their lifetime are going to go through a season. It might be not straight out clinical depression, but of darkness, maybe some despair or discouragement. And it's important that we talk about these things because there's no reason to be ashamed. You know, when we went through this with one of our children, I know as a family it was just so hard to even know. I don't, do we talk to people about what's going on in our family? One of our children's really struggling with this. Do we talk about it? Do we keep it a secret? And it was so hard to know how to reach out and to get hope. But we are talking about it because we want you to know you are not alone. If this is something that you've been struggling with, you don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed when you go through these seasons where they're struggling. And there is hope for you. Jesus has reached down and lifted me out of a pit and put my feet on solid ground. Seasons that I have struggled, I have watched him relentlessly pull me out of that and give me a firm place to stand. And so we want you to know that there is hope today. 
So what is depression? How do you know if you're depressed? Well, let me give you just a vague um, definition of that. People will describe depression as feeling down all the time, like there's just a cloud hanging over you for an extended period of time. It's an ongoing discouragement, a hopelessness with a lack of enjoyment in most areas of life. Doctors will ask you, are you enjoying your life? Are you enjoying things? Are you enjoying your work and, and the people that you're around? And people who are depressed would say, no, I'm not enjoying any part of my life. Psychologists would identify someone who is struggling with depression by identifying some of these symptoms. And if you went to a doctor and asked them, you would say, I think I might be struggling with depression. They would ask you some of these questions. Um, do you have a depressed mood? You just kind of seem down. Changes in appetite, either eating more or eating less. Changes in sleep pattern. Maybe you can't sleep at all, and you're just awake, and you are fighting insomnia, and you cannot sleep at all. Or it could be the extreme. You could be sleeping all the time, having a hard time getting up for work, having a hard time getting up for school. You find yourself um, in changes in your sleep patterns. Just a fatigue that just begins to wear on you. You're having a hard time being motivated to get up and to do your everyday life things. This is an important one, self-image distortions. When you're struggling with depression, you don't see things as reality. Things will seem distorted. You'll seem like, I'm not good at anything. Or people who might have an eating disorder will look in the mirror and see a complete different reflection than what you and I would see. There's a distortion in how you view your life. You could think, I'm horrible. I'm not good at anything. Or I can't, I can't do anything. Or nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. And it feels real. You're not making it up. Everything is distorted, and you can't see clearly. You can have problems concentrating and just a general feeling of hopelessness. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend wrote a book called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, Dealing with Discouragement and Depression. And this is one of the quotes from their book. They say, at its heart, depression is a spiritual, emotional, and personal condition. That condition is best described as being cut off from life. Some aspect of that person's heart and soul is out of order, disengaged, and disconnected from God and others. It is as if some vital part of you is lost and frozen in time, and it is inaccessible for love, relationship, grace, or truth. And if you know someone who you love who is struggling with depression, you can, you can get to that. They are inaccessible for love. It's like you can't quite get through to them. It's like there's a cloud around them and you can't quite get through. Depression is truly the soul's cry for help. It's pretty amazing how God built our souls and our minds and our bodies to all work together because your mind and your body will start to slow down and withdraw when you're dealing with depression. It's almost like your body just goes into this state of lethargy because it just doesn't want to add anything more. It's, it's giving you a warning signal that something inside of you it needs to be tweaked. It's a warning sign that something is wrong inside. Your body's fatigued, that lack of energy, that lack of motivation, and your mind's fogginess and inability to function as you normally have is a signal to you that something inside of you is hurting or broken and needs healing. Or maybe you're dealing with anxiety and that heart racing, fidgety, panicked feeling that keeps happening to you is a warning sign that there's something inside of you that is hurting. It is a signal to you to get help. Now, mental illness is not something that is just one cause, right? It is something that is multifaceted in what causes it, which means that it will be multifaceted in how you treat it. And we know that now. I mean, there was a day in time that people would say, well, I'm dealing with depression, and a pastor would say, well, just pray. 
Well, now we know that there's a spiritual side to depression, there's an emotional side, and there is a physical side. And so we need to look at all of those things. And so if you're finding yourself with any of those symptoms, the first thing you need to do is look at the physical component. There are all kinds of reasons physically that you could be struggling with depression. Postpartum depression is one thing. After you have a baby, your hormones and everything is all wackadoodle, right? And so it's really hard for your body to sometimes uh, compensate, that's the word, for all of those things that have been going on. And there's physical chemical things going on inside of you that are causing depression. Um, There's brain chemicals. We have chemicals in our brain that produce happy feelings, serotonin. And sometimes your body is burning those happy chemicals faster than your body can reproduce them. And pretty soon you have a deficiency and your brain cannot keep up. And sometimes there's a chemical thing. Sometimes there's thyroid issues. You can have adrenal and hormonal complications. All of those things can cause depression. And so the first thing you need to do is be really diligent about seeking help for those physical ailments. And this is why it's really, really important because I think a lot of times people will skip over this. And people will think, well, I don't, I don't know. Do I need to go to a doctor for this? Well, let me ask you this. If you had a stomach ailment, what is the first thing that you would do? You would go to a specialist who would examine you and diagnose you and treat you. People who know better and who have studied these things would be able to look at you and say, okay, here's what I think is going on. The worst thing you could do would be avoid talking to anyone about it and just hope that it went away. Just, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to go to anybody for any kind of help. That's the worst thing that you could do. And sometimes your body needs medical intervention to help realign all those chemicals. And there is nothing wrong with that. I'm going to say this again because it's really important that you hear it. If you need medical intervention and you need some medication to help you with depression, anxiety, or any other mental illness, there is nothing wrong with that. And I want you to hear me clearly on that, that that is a part of how God has given doctors gifts of healing and smart people the ability to create medication that can help you process all of that in your physical body. So there are physical components that can be a part of depression. But there's also an emotional component that needs addressing. If you go to a doctor, a physical doctor, and say, hey, I think I'm struggling with depression, any doctor worth their weight isn't just going to hand you a prescription. They're going to also say, there's a lot of other things. I think you need to talk to somebody. What are you doing as far as addressing these, the spiritual part of this? Is there someone you can talk to? I think you should go to a counselor. Because it's not a one, it's not just a physical thing. It's, it's all of those things combined. And so we have to address those things as well. There's something inside of you that is hurting And your mind is desperate to gain understanding and healing for a part of you that is broken. Dr. Cloudon Townsend in that same book talked about it. You got to deal with your baggage. You got to deal with your baggage. It all comes together. It is all tied together. Here's another quote from that book. They said, we've all experienced difficult events and relationships, emotional hurts, divorces, serious mistakes, tragic accidents, or loss of a loved one. Ideally, these events are resolved as they happen, but often pain is stuffed instead of dealt with. Offenders are not forgiven. Fears are not confronted. Conflicts are not resolved, leaving us with past feelings and patterns of behavior that impact the present, and that's baggage. You can be sure that some of your baggage is directly related to your depression, and you can't be fully healed until you deal with it. 
God doesn't just deal with the top layer. He goes in deep, and he goes in, and he heals us from inside out. And for some of us, there are things that we have to go in and ask God to heal, and some things that we have to process. We have to deal with our emotional baggage. And talking about it begins that journey to healing our emotional pain opening up and beginning processing what's going on inside. Where do I think that this is coming from? And sometimes we don't have the skill to know where to even begin. And that's why counselors are such a huge blessing to find a good Christian counselor that can help you look, hey, maybe I think it's coming from here. Maybe it, maybe you go to a counselor. Maybe it's just talking to your family and friends. I know my husband is just so wise and discerning and he knows me so well that usually if I can just kind of get to a ballpark, if I start talking to Jeff about things, he can usually help me and say, you know, I've noticed this. And this maybe started around this time, or maybe, maybe it's this, or have you thought about that? And so somebody that you can talk to that you trust that can help you navigate some of those emotional things. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe we have awesome youth pastors who love to sit and talk to our kids. Maybe it's a trusted person. Whatever it is, we have to open up and start talking about those things. I love Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 in, in the God's Word um, version. It says, if one falls, another can help his friend up. But how tragic is it for one who is all alone when he falls and there's no one to get, help him get back up? And my guess is that none of you are totally alone in your life, that you don't have a friend. But if you don't, you can come talk to me. I'll be your friend. But I think for most of us, the reason we don't open up is because we're afraid. And we don't want to be vulnerable. And yet healing comes. Confess your sins one to another so that we can be healed. Confess what's going on inside with someone so that they can help you process those things. Because we have to not only deal with the physical things, not only deal, we have to deal with the emotional things as well. Mental illness has a physical and emotional side, but it also has a spiritual component to it. And just as we can't simply address the physical symptoms without addressing the emotional symptoms, we cannot seek to gain healing from depression and anxiety without addressing the spiritual component as well because there is a spiritual side to anxiety and depression and mental illness. There is. I truly believe, and the word tells us, that there is an enemy of our souls that is constantly attacking us. He is constantly coming at us. Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We have an enemy of our souls that is constantly coming at us. And three of the things that he does, I think, are three key components when we are dealing with mental illness. The first one is this. There is an enemy who is constantly accusing us. And if you were going to talk to somebody who felt like they are dealing with mental illness or depression... What you're going to hear a lot of them say is there is just this voice in my head constantly saying, you're not good enough. You're not worth anything. Nobody cares about you. You're a failure. You're not good enough. And those accusing voices go on and on and on, and it's this relentless thing. And yet, do you know what? In Job chapter 1, do you know what Satan and the enemy is actually called? He's actually given the name the accuser. He's actually called the accuser. And he's whispering in our ear. If you look at that, at that word, the accuser, that name given in Job, if you look at it in the original Hebrew, it basically describes a prosecutor that would stand in front of somebody who is up on trial, walking back and forth and just basically telling them all the things they've done wrong. 
someone prosecuting them, accusing them. You're this, and you're this, and you've never done that, and this, and this, and this. And it says that this is what the enemy does all the time. We see that in Revelation 12.10, it says this, that I heard a loud voice shouting across the ocean. It's come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. And listen to this. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them day and night. And if you have an accuser whispering in your ear day and night, you need to realize that there is an enemy, and this is one of his main tactics of how he tries to tear us down. He whispers our failures. He whispers in our ear. He accuses us over and over again. There is a spiritual side of this. There is an accuser who will continually try and tear you down over and over again, day and night. The second thing that the enemy does is that the word tells us that he is the author of fear. He is the author of fear. If you're dealing with anxiety, that inescapable fear, that dread that comes over you when you're getting ready to do something and that, that fear that comes over your entire body and goes down into your legs and everything just feels like it's shaking, that fear. The enemy is the author of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to look at that scripture again. Fear is what? A spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That tells us that fear is a spirit. Is it come from God? No. What is the spirit that God gives us? He gives us power and love and a sound mind. That's the spirit that comes from God. So we can know that a spirit of fear is something that is not from God. And so if fear is coming on you, you can know that that is an attack of the enemy, that he is coming on you with fear. And it says that that is not of God. God has given us a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. And if you constantly have a spirit of fear coming at you, you can know that that is an attack of the enemy. There is a spiritual component to these things. John 8, um, sorry, I'll get to that in a second. The last thing that the enemy does is he is the author of deception. Remember earlier when I was going through that list of symptoms of depression, one of the things was a distorted self-image. Lies and deception. The enemy loves to twist things. And he can try and give us help us to not be able to see things as they really are. He likes to distort things. You can think, no one loves me. I'm not good at anything. And everybody around you would go, what in the world are you talking about? Look at all the people who love you. Look at how, look at how many blessings you have. Look at all the things you're good at. And if you were talking to a person who is in the depths of depression, they would go, I don't know what you're talking about. You cannot see it. And we know that the enemy loves to come and deceive us. He loves to blind us to the truth. He is the father of lies. John 8, says, he's always hated the truth, talking about the devil, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And he loves to lie to us about the truth of who we are. So there is a spiritual component to depression and anxiety. And so we need to be diligent to address the spiritual causes as well as the emotional and physical parts of it. So what do we do in this battle of depression? As we go through the next few weeks, we're going to have lots of different resources for you. We're going to talk about lots of different coping mechanisms and all that kind of stuff. But today, I just want to talk really simply kind of about one thing. 
Because the truth is, when we are in the battle with depression, anxiety, and mental illness, it can be really exhausting. It's tiring to fight this battle. The truth is it can be relentless and overwhelming and exhausting. For most people, it is a battle that takes a long time to get any kind of relief from. I remember the first time that I went to a doctor and said, I really think I'm struggling with depression and I got a medication to help me. The first thing that she said is, okay, well, we'll try this medication. It takes six to eight weeks and we'll know if it's working or not. And then we'll try a different dose and then we'll try another six to eight weeks on that dose and then we'll try. And I remember looking going, six to eight weeks? I don't know that I can handle one more day feeling this way. Or going to a counselor and sitting there talking and, and feeling like, okay, I made a little, little bit of headway on this, on this. Okay, I'm feeling better. And they'll say, okay, two weeks. We'll see you then. And I'm going, hello, can I call you later? You know, two weeks. Like, what in the world? This is just one of those things in life that takes a long time to get any relief from. And some people will fight the battle of mental illness their entire lives. They will kind of overcome something, and they'll kind of get through a season, and then they'll get through a season where there's some relief, and then something will happen, and it will trigger something else happen, and then they'll find themselves struggling with it again. And some of you might relate to that. Maybe you battled anxiety over here, and you really had a handle on it, and you were doing really great, and then you got over here, and something happened with your kids, and now you're like, oh, man, it's flaring up again. And that can happen time after time after time after time. And in my experience, this is a battle that gets exhausting. This is a battle that weighs heavy on faith. Because you can think, God, where are you in this? God, this has been so long. God, please, I need relief. I need to just, I can't take this anymore. And it is a relentless battle, and it's a heartbreaking battle. It's hard to walk through life struggling with these issues. And whether you're fighting it yourself or walking through it with someone you love, it's equally exhausting, if not more exhausting, to watch people that you love and care about struggle with these things and not know how to help them. It's the most helpless feeling I've ever experienced as a mother and the most heartbreaking thing I've ever experienced as a mother is to watch somebody I love have to get through this battle and walk through it on their own. But the truth is there's good news today because there is a God who fights for you. There's a place to go in the midst of this fight where you can be protected and find relief from all those accusing voices. There's a place that you can go and be hidden and find refuge in the midst of this battle, there is a God who will push back your enemy at your most vulnerable moment and give you rest in the middle of this relentless fight. So this summer I was on the interweb and I was looking at some different things and somehow this song came up, like somebody shared a song and it was um, by this Christian worship leader named Rita Springer who I haven't heard of for years and years and years and years and she had this new CD out called Battles and I thought I'm always looking for new music and so I pulled up this CD called Battles and I started listening to this, this CD, or CD, wow, I'm old, <laughs> on my CD player um, on my MP3 player on my computer. So anyway, I pulled up this album, and I began listening to the words of these songs, and the very first song on this CD called Battles said this, I hide 
covered by your wings, and it's there you fight for me. And the tears just started coming as I listened to those words. And then the next song, she had the line in there that said, all my accusers are silenced and scattered by you. And then I cried more. And then the next song, it said, Jesus defeated the darkness, and he has never lost a battle. And then I cried more. And then the next song was called, My Defender. My Defender. And this is the line to this song. It says, you go before I even know that you've gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemy. You come back, and you call it my victory. And all I did was pray. And all I did was worship you, and all I did was stay still. By the time I got to that song, Jeff walked in like, what's happening? (laughs) I said, I don't know what it is about this CD. He's like, who is this? What in the world is going on? Can I tell you this idea that there was a God in the midst of my battle who would fight for me? just overwhelmed my soul. It just overwhelmed my spirit. You know, in the Kerr house, we've had a long season of just a lot of battles, and it feels like we'll get through one, and then another one comes up, and then we've been making it through, and God has been faithful. But I don't think I realized until that moment how tired I was of fighting, how tired I was of the fight, how exhausted I was from feeling like I just got to stay strong. I just got to get through one more thing. I just got to keep my head above the water for just one more day. And all of a sudden, when I heard that there is a God who would tuck me in and go and fight my battle for me, and all I did was stay still and trust him, it just, it just touched this place in my soul. And maybe it touches a place in your soul today, too, because the idea that God is your defender is an amazing thing when you have been fighting something for a really long time. There's something profound about someone defending you. I was thinking about this. If I had a really great story about Jeff, like, beating up somebody who tried to, like, get in my face, I don't have one of those. I mean, he would. Let's be clear. He would. But I do have a story because when I was probably uh, 11 or 12, maybe I I was late elementary school, maybe sixth grade. So I have one sister who is three and a half years older than me. Some of you know my sister. And there was, we were, uh, lived in this neighborhood, and I remember one day I went out, um, and there were a bunch of neighborhood kids playing, and I went outside, and I w- was hanging out with a bunch of kids, and I remember they were making fun of me, like really mean, like picking on me. I can't remember what it was about. I think it was what I was wearing or something. And they were all making fun of me and picking on me. And so I remember walking back to the house crying and being really upset and going up to my room. And I remember my parents came up to my room and they were talking to me. And dad always had good advice. Mom would always cry with me. And we're sitting on my bed talking and we hear the front door slam. And I remember my dad looking out the window and going, oh boy, your sister's mad. (laughs) And we all stood at the window and watched her march across. She was probably... Well, she's four years older than me, so she's maybe 14 at the time. Watched her march across the lawn to this group of kids. There must have been 10 other kids. And we watched her stand there and just start shaking her finger and yelling at all these kids. And pretty soon we watched all the other kids, kind of their heads go down. And she just stood there and yelled, and and we don't really know what she said. And then she turned around and stomped back to the house. And we were all just, it was so funny in that moment of, My sister had my back in that moment. And I remember feeling like that is the best feeling in the world. When somebody, when you're getting picked on or you've got a hard time or you just feel like, 
I can't take this anymore. And somebody just steps in and goes, hold on, hold on, I got this. I got this for you. You listen here. You are not going to do that again. There's something about being defended. Does that resonate with your spirit? Like, does that resonate with what that feels like to know that somebody steps in front and says, you're not going to do that anymore. You step back. To be defended is a really amazing feeling. And that is what the scriptures tell us that God does for us. Especially when you have been in a relentless battle for a long time and you're just tired and you don't know what to do anymore. The idea that a God who goes to battle for you when you feel like you can't fight anymore, that is an amazing thing. You know, if you ask people who will attempt to take their own life, why? Why did you do that? What happened? The majority of them will say, I was so tired of fighting. I just couldn't fight anymore. I was too tired. I couldn't fight anymore. I, was, I felt so bad that I was causing this from pain for my family. I just didn't know what else to do next. Felt like it was never going to go away. I just couldn't fight anymore. And maybe today you're inching on that place that you just feel like, I don't know what else to do. But I know that I can't fight anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I don't know what to do next. Can I tell you that there's a God who defends you? Maybe you have plummeted into deep addiction, which a lot of people who struggle with mental illness end up in deep addiction because they're in so much pain and they don't know what to do with it. And so numbing becomes the only way that they can deal with it. And if you ask a lot of them, well, why are you, keep, why are you doing this? Your, li- your, your life is blowing up around you. A lot of times they'll say, I just, I've just given up. Like, I, I just can't fight it anymore. It's just too hard. It keeps defeating me. There is something that happens when we feel like we can't fight anymore. And that is why I find so much comfort in this. Maybe you're at the beginning of your battle. Maybe you're just kind of at the beginning of this, but you're already feeling that sense of weariness. Can I tell you that there's a God who fights for you today? Or maybe you've been battling this for months or years or decades. There is a God who will faithfully fight for you as well. And so after my crying fest with my Rita Springer CD, I turned to Psalm 91, and this has become a verse, I, chapter I read every single morning. And this series is based upon Psalm 91. And I would encourage you, as we go through this series, to read it every single morning, because it is a beautiful, amazing picture of a God who fights for us. And this is what it says in the New Living Translation. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of my Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap. He will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night or the errors that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. 
If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Isn't that an incredible passage? It talks about all these things, about shelter, about rest, about hiding us in his shadow, about a refuge, not to be afraid of the terrors of the night, the things that come at night, those voices in your mind at night when you're trying to sleep. Don't be afraid of those. And don't be afraid of the arrows that come during the day, the onslaught of attack that come during the day. Don't be afraid of those either. He says he'll protect you and shield you from the danger that you can see out in front of you. And he'll protect you from the things that you can't even see, the snares set in front of you that you don't even know where they are. All of those things will not harm you because he will protect you. But my favorite part, and I'm going to close with this, of this scripture is found in verse 4 when it says, He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. When I read that, I wondered, I started studying about it, and I wondered if that was like a real thing, if, if birds would actually tuck their young under their wing, and they do. I have a few pictures, Charlie, you can put up there. That if there's a predator around, a mama bird will take the young and tuck it under her wing. And, if the, and that could be a predator, something coming at it, or it could be the environment if it's too cold, or if, if there's, you know, wind howling or a storm coming by, the mama birds will just put their wing over the top of the babies and just protect them and hide them. And that idea that God will cover us with his feathers and shelter us with his wing, that when you're in the midst of a battle, that there's a God that's like, okay, I know, you've been fighting so hard. Come here, I got you. You just get under there. And not only is there shelter and protection, but then he raises a sword in his hand and keeps the enemy at bay and gives you respite and gives you strength and restores your soul. He leads you by still waters. He gives you strength for the next thing you have to face. He doesn't say, okay, well, that was enough. No, he holds us there until we're ready again. And then we might go out for a little bit and things get hard again and he go right back in under the shelter of his wing. It's such a beautiful picture for those of us who today might be feeling weary and tired. One commentary says this image suggests not only the thought of protection, but those of a fostering downy warmth, peaceful proximity to a heart that throbs with parental love and a multitude of other happy privileges by those who nestle beneath the wing. When we think of that idea that when you're tired and weary, that there is a God who will shield you and protect you and fight for you, that should bring you great comfort today. Today, I want you to know that you're not alone. In your weariness, there is a place of hiding and safety where you can just catch your breath. There's a place that you can just catch your breath today. And there is a God who is fighting this battle for you. He's going to get you to the other side. You're going to make it. You're going to make it to the other side. 
whether it's you, whether you're just dealing with somebody you love, you're going to get there. It's going to be all right. God is going to lead you on a path to healing and wholeness. I believe that. But today, if you're just tired and weary, allow him to tuck you under his wing. He's not going to force you to. That's the thing. He's not going to be like, get back here. <laughs> like, it comes we all go scribbling away and he, no, we have, to, we have to do that. We have to tuck ourselves under his wing. And so maybe your relationship with Jesus has been something that maybe you haven't really gone very deep in your relationship with God. Or maybe it's kind of somewhere on the peripheral. And today you're realizing, man, I have got to get back my heart in alignment with Christ. I need his shelter and protection. I recognize he is the only one that is going to walk me out of this. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes today as we, as we finish our service. Maybe today when I talked about just the fatigue of fighting a battle, maybe today that just resonated with you. That you have been walking a road for a long time and you're just tired Maybe you just aren't quite sure what to do next, where to go next. And maybe it's not full-on depression, but maybe it's just this cloud that's been hanging over you. You haven't been able to enjoy your life. Maybe it is just this panicky feeling that something's wrong, something's wrong, and the enemy has just been throwing fear at you. I know there's healing for you today. I know it. I know it. I've seen it with my own eyes. There is a God who will rescue you. He will lift you out and put your feet on solid ground. I know that. I know that. I don't know what that process looks like for you. But I do know this, that there is a God who will gently lead you. He'll lead you to take the right steps. He'll lead you to the right doctors. He'll lead you to the right counselor. He'll lead you to the right friend. He'll lead you in all of those ways. But while he does that, he's so kind. He's so kind. He doesn't look at us and despise our weakness. He doesn't point his finger at us and ask why we couldn't handle more. He just tucks us in. And brings us close to his heart and reminds us how deeply we are loved. Jesus, I thank you for your kindness. And I pray for people in this place today that have been walking a hard road. And they are tired and weary. I thank you that your word makes it very clear that in our weakness, that's when you become the strongest. And so today I pray that you would help us to run right to you. Not to try and fix it in our own strength. Not to try and do things our own way. We recognize when we try and do things our own way and we come out from under your wing of protection, things do not go well. And we find ourselves stumbling over the same thing over and over again. And so today, Lord, I pray that we would just release 
everything that we've been holding on to. Maybe there's just an area of our hearts that we've been saying, God, I, I, I don't want you to be Lord over this. I want to do things my own way. I pray that today every part would be released today. And in doing so, that we would tuck ourselves under your protective care. Lord, I pray for those who feel like they might not have another day in them to fight. I thank you that you are fighting for them. And all they have to do is stay still and watch the victory of the Lord in their life. Lord, I pray today that would be the beginning of healing for so many people who are struggling and hurting and broken. Thank you for being so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.